If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Good afternoon, and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff, that's Tom. On Twitter, it's at Show, And a fine Balls McWinsday to you and yours. Funny thing, I actually uh, woke up and have spent the better part of the day believing today was Thursday, Tom. I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens. I'm in no hurry. And it's the first day of summer, longest day of the year. From here, the sadness begins for those that love the long days. Because it just begins to get darker and darker. Sooner. One day closer to death. (laughs) Uh, You can look at it that way. You can look at any day that way. I'm just merely speaking on the light. That's how they would close it up at poor Paul's every single night. Yeah. I was there many of them in my early 20s. They said, you are now one day closer to death. We close in two hours. What's funny about that is that is not a place that you and I could go to now. Like, uh, well... It, it we could, but, but it wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't be the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. The best crack you'd have at it is at a nondescript happy hour time, just yeah. to check out the place, just to go back in, just to feel the surroundings. Say how to Joel, who's yeah. listened to the program for twenty odd years, just to uh, just to to welcome in the environs yet again. I I don't. It's been a long time. It has been a really long time. You know, I thought about this morning. I was thinking about Nick Saban's comments. And he was bitching on Joel Klatt's podcast. And um, anyhow, I was kind of rolling my eyes. Some of the things he said I agree with. Some of the things I don't. That's fine. I'll touch on that in a second. But I was just thinking about it. It's really, when when you're talking about his complaints regarding whether or not Alabama should have been in the playoff because he's he's referenced the fact that Vegas would have had them favored over three of the teams that made the playoff. Of course, that's not how it works there, Nick. Results on the field do have to have an impact. They have to matter. But I have more thoughts on that later. I just wanted to point out, after this year, and this is the downside to expansion of the playoff, after this year, it really doesn't matter. You will never again worry about the rankings. You will not worry about the polls. Because if you're really worried that you're you know, currently sitting at 15th, you're not real good. You're good, but maybe not real good. I know it's a different set of worries. It's not the same sort of thing, though. When there are 12 spots and you're sitting at 13th or 14th or 15th or 16th and you're thinking you're not going to get in, eh, you're not going to do much if you do get in. 
in that situation. Yeah, you're not going to hear Nick Saban crying about this situation. No. Hopefully we never have to, but if we are, then we have to take stock of why we're complaining. Here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, think about how long you've been watching college football. It is an imperfect system. It always has been. Uh, it is not a meritocracy. There's always been controversy from the time you started watching college football right up until the present. And pretty soon that ends. This, you could argue, is the last of that controversy. Now, the committee is still going to be involved in a way that we don't like. We don't love the committee, although people hated the BCS and they clamored for some sort of committee. I think the committee, I think the playoff spot should be determined by the BCS. I liked that format. I was fine with it. But that said, um, the worries about being squeezed, about being left out, are pretty much removed after this season. And it, and it's weird because be careful what you wish for. You know, I mean, that is that's an element of college football that led to great intrigue for most years. I didn't like it at all times. I will tell you this. If you want to go way back before you were born, and when I was hardcore getting into college football, watching what played out with BYU or watching what played out not long after you were born with Colorado and Georgia Tech was absurd. Was absurd. You, you know, the idea that, that an AP poll or a coaches poll or a UP poll, UPI poll uh, that was going to have separate champions and, and the matchups were all fraught, uh, it, was, it was silly. You could have the number two team in the country playing the number nine team in the country in, in, the country in a bowl game because of tie-ins. And number one was playing five, and somehow we were going to deduce yeah. after all yeah. of this. What, yeah, it was not good. Bowl tie-ins extended all the way to the highest level of yeah. the bowl system itself. Yeah. Michigan, Nebraska, didn't they have a split title? Yeah. In the mid to late 90s? Mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, that. so that's where you come into play. Yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember that absurdity. Uh, the, the, the voters painted themselves into a corner, and every week they had to move BYU up that they stayed undefeated, and everybody knew BYU probably wasn't even a top 10 team. This is why Trevor Maddich doesn't like analytics. <laughs> BYU would have never won a national title. Get rid of this map. Tell me where I'm going. I don't like it. Newfangled map with roads. Ways. We follow the stars. <laughs> the sun and the moon. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was... Which uh, revolve around us. Yeah, both uh, of them. Yeah, of the course. sun especially. Um, so for those that aren't familiar, uh, Nick was complaining about... Um, First of all, he mentioned that Vegas, the point spread, that four, that Alabama would have been favored over three of the four teams that made the, the the playoffs, and he's probably right about that. It doesn't really matter because the point spreads aren't how we determine who gets into the college football playoff. Uh, and I will say, if his larger point is this, um, that you know, strength of schedule matters. Well, I agree with that. I agree with that. And just because you might be favored over a playoff team doesn't mean you should be in the playoff. It's it's a balance. And if you lose four times, Nick, and they didn't, but if you lose four times, for example, and you'd be over you'd be favored still, let's say over a one loss TCU team. Should we throw away the results of the games played on the field and put you in over eleven and one TCU? Should should you have a seat at eight and four? It's an imperfect system. 
certainly have been times when the win-loss record is not an accurate assessment of a team's relative strength compared to another team with a much better record, but at some point if the gap in the loss column is a robust three games and the strength of schedule isn't appreciably different, well, then our imperfect system kind of spits out the fact that, look, you have to go with the results of the games. They, they kind of matter. The good news is, again, Nick and anybody else, it's going to 12 games soon. Hell, I'll argue that when they go to 12, or 12 teams, I'll argue that when they go to 12 teams, Tom, at some point, especially if we end up with these super conferences, a 12-team playoff would feature a 7-5 and five team. If your five losses are to top 10 teams and the six of your seven wins are against top 25 teams, it wouldn't shock me if you snuck into a playoff yeah. down the road, a 12-team playoff at 7-5. and five. Highly unlikely, very unlikely. 8-4 and four is more likely, certainly. And I, I guarantee that'll happen. There'll be an 8-4 and four team that makes the playoff. In a Super 2 conference reality, yes. I don't know that right now. I don't think it would happen in the immediate. But if we get to a place where it's it's Big Ten and SEC and they've gone to 16 or yeah, I mean, 20 teams apiece or whatever it is, then perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, you could even understand it, though, too, Tom. It wouldn't even be something that would be all that, you know, argumentative. If your losses are on the road against a top 10 LSU, a top 10 Florida, a top 10 Georgia, and you lose a three-point game at home to Alabama. We must be in 2035. It's a top 10 Florida team. <laughs> three more coaches down the line. Yeah. Well, you know, so you see my point. Uh, that you, you could see how that would happen. Look, for a long time, this is why I was big time in favor of not, and I, I know it sounds cowardice, uh, cowardly, but I was always about wanting to win national championships. Like, I, I want to hang banners. I want to fly flags. I care about winning national champions. You can't take it. It doesn't matter. Argue all you want to. That's a national title. So I would say, you know, now listen, the ACC, you you kind of were stuck. You had to. You were thankful that at that time you played a Florida and then before Miami joined the ACC, you played a Miami. And you were thankful that you would sprinkle in, in a given year, a Notre Dame or a Texas A&M, whomever. Because you knew that the ACC wasn't going to get you where you needed to be. But a lot of years, I was like, don't add anybody you don't need to add, guys. Just go 12-0. and 0. And I don't care if you're 30-point favorites in 10 of the games. Just go undefeated, and you're going to win it. Jimbo 1.0 had this down. He was overruled by the administration towards the end of his tenure. But he liked to, the ramp-up games. He loved him some ramp-up games. That opening yeah. weekend, nobody. Second week, nobody. And then we start to ease on into the schedule. Towards the end of his time, he was overruled with key matchups and neutral sites for more money for the program yeah, because he was begging about, for more it became money. became about money, yeah. But I tend to agree with that. Now, however, I think that goes away. The need for ramp-up games, if you've got 12 seats at the table Correct. And, and five conferences are going to have auto bids and it might get whittled down to four or three eventually – Come on, man. You can play any team that you want anytime. Remember the reason I used to love this when he would get pressed on the question as to why he wanted to play games against severely outmatched opponents. He, he would talk as if it was he was doing them a favor that these schools, it was empathy. Well, one game against us makes their entire athletic budget. College football will cease to exist if games like this aren't played. Okay, Jim. It can in October and November as well. <laughs> 
doesn't have to be the first week of the year. That always cracked me up, though. That was the best. Well, guys, I mean, these kids have to, not everybody can play at Florida State. Not all the not all the athletes are good enough to play at a place like Alabama or Florida State. They got to have other places to go, and those those other places have to have a means by which to fund their football program. And playing a game like this does exactly that. So it was his. Yeah, it was great. Seventy-seven to nothing. See all the good we're doing, these kids. That's right. It's like I told you. Like I always say. Yeah. If it was a different, you've never said that before in your life. Yeah. It's not a word. And the things in which we do—that was always my favorite. You know, that was just a. There was always the the, the non sequiturs. The you know, we're like, what are you talking the about? The way we go about the things in the, which we do. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's just like the things in which we do. You know, what? No, what are you talking about? Say it. Use your words. I used to say that to my children. Use your words. It's ammunition. It's a way to make a point. You can express yourself using your words. I can't understand you when you're speaking gibberish. Use your words. Well, if it was Bryce and he was asked, why don't you play big name teams in week one? He'd say, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Fair enough. Understood. He doesn't remember doing that. It was a great stage in life that I'll always hold on to. I remember calling you and telling you that that he had developed a habit when he when he was told he had to do things that he didn't want to do, and he was repeatedly told and then emphasized that he had to do it. I don't like it. <laughs> I told him uh, that also I would say to uh, – to my wife, I don't like it. But we told Mary and Steve we'd be there. Oh! I don't like it. I want to sit here. Then I didn't use my words. And I was just grunting. Stomping around the room. Ah! It's ridiculous. Why do we do this? You only get one Saturday a week. We got to spin it with Steve and That's Mary. Right, yeah. Let's use the weeknights. Yeah. You know? Utilize the weeknights we already deem as annoying. Just pick a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Nobody likes those days. Let's go over there then. I'm just, oh, just add to my sorry-ass Tuesday. That's fine. What do I care? Don't mess up my pristine kick-ass Saturday that I've already plotted in my head. But you're not doing anything. That's right. That is right. We're not doing anything. Uh, that's the goal. That is how we are. That's we're doing nothing, and we're going to love it. It's going to kick ass. You know why? Because it's precisely why we don't like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We have to do things on those days. <laughs> it's required. We've got to feed the kids. We've got to make money so we go to work. we got to do all these things, but not Saturday. Everybody fends for themselves, and we sit around like sloths unless we're on vacation. Where we sit around? No, like no, no, no. I You're a say, doer on no, vacations. On vacations, we do. Scott writes, "Hey guys, I love your show and listen almost every day. The disagreement to what was said yesterday. I don't care who is signing elsewhere. I want players who want to wear garnet and gold. Totally trust Coach Norvell. Go Knowles. Yet you do, Scott, until you don't. It is annoying. I get it." It is annoying to watch Florida rack up uh, over a 48-hour period 
a hell of a lot of big-name recruits, including a stud defensive end. Because, you know, we're not exactly recruiting defensive end all that well. So all I'll say is two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you on the Florida State staff when it comes to recruiting. Am I panicked? No. Are yeses coming soon that will change our outlook on recruiting? I believe so. But we'll see. We'll see. Also, the thing I'd say in this day and age, and I don't think it's brand new because of NIL, but there aren't as many kids out there who want to wear garnet and gold for the reasons that you would like them to wear garnet and gold. And I'm dying love for the program? Yeah, that's not a thing. No. For most recruits. Most of them. And that was a thing before NIL. They come to love the university after they are pitched a very, very good and sound reason to come to the university. There are some legacies, and there are some kids who have been fans of the university forever, and, and that's going to happen maybe if you got a 20-kid class, that might account for what, three of them, four of them? The rest of them, it's what have you done for me lately, and I'm going to use you so you can use me. It's also why yeah. it's a little troubling that Florida and Billy Napier got wins over Florida State, over Georgia, over LSU, over Tennessee, over Penn State, over Michigan in the recruiting war that just transpired over the weekend. They haven't done a damn thing. There is no evidence that Florida is on the cusp of winning games. There is nothing to woo those players to not go to Michigan, who just made the college football playoff, to not go to LSU, who just won the West, to not go to Florida State, who just beat Florida and is going to be preseason ranked top seven. There's no reason for them to have won those battles, and I get why it elicits ire and concern. To me, it screams of somebody behind the scenes who said, I don't like it. I'm done with it. We'll see, right? Either way, that's winning a battle. Several of them. Several of them. You smoke or get smoked. I keep saying it. Let's find out if we smoke. Be all right. You sure? Moderately confident. Yeah. I think, look, man, that cycle, I get NIL can maybe retain a kid or two that would definitely jet. But this reminds me of a cycle we've been through recently and Miami has been for 20 odd years, which is you are kicking ass in the summer before the season starts. Sometimes as early as the spring before Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. winter before. And then the results play out on the field and you watch that recruiting ranking go lower and lower. I agree. And and the games will be played and they will change the outlook for both programs and Certainly, the mindsets of players looking to play big-time college football in this state. Uh, If Florida goes out this year, Vegas has them at five and a half. I took the over on that. I think Billy Napier's a good coach. You're going to argue, well, he had NFL players on his team last year, and they didn't win games. Got it. It's his first year. He inherited a nightmare. We'll see what happens. I have belief that he'll win. I hope I'm wrong. I'd like him to fail. I'd like to happen to him what I was afraid was going to happen to Mike, which is if you can't get out of the quicksand in time, no matter your strength and your ability, at some point you sink and you it's too heavy. You can't get out from under. So if they lose this year, no matter if Billy Napier potentially is a good coach or is a good X's and O's guy or is whatever people want to paint him as, who think he's going to win long-term, they may not have the traction necessary to get out. 
Yeah, I think if he was wise, he'd message to the kids like Mike Norvell did two years ago, these recruits for 2024, and say, hey, guys, this ain't going to be pretty this year. That's why we're recruiting you. We're shooting for six wins. But if he's speaking eight and nine and ten win seasons into those kids' ears. Well, then he's pulling a willy, and that's a mistake. (laughs) Hey, now, they'll be gone by October if that's the case. Yeah, I don't know what he's saying. I know what he did do, though, just looking at the origins of these players, meaning where they're from. He figured out to go somewhere other than the state of Florida. He realized, like, okay, well, I'm not getting the kids in the state right now, but there are good players elsewhere, and I better go get them. That's what we did. Yes. We went outside of the state and to the portal, which was largely also outside of the state. But for high school kids, a lot of Arizonas and Californias, you know. Yeah. So they got – it's worth keeping an eye on. I'm not saying mash the panic button. I'm saying that – in order to get folks to kind of walk down off that cliff a little bit here, they are going to have to, maybe after this weekend, get some you know, strong yeses from these players that they've been able to house. It's been nice to have folks like that visiting. It's nicer when they leave saying, thank you so much. Hospitality appreciated. This is somewhere I'd like to be long-term. I commit to Florida State. Let's get some of those I commit to Florida State handshakes on the way out the door. Let's get some of those on the books to make everybody feel a little bit better. Because right now, they're just nice visits. And that's a little disconcerting, and I understand. It was nice having Jimmy over there. That was nice. We'll see if he invests. It's Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. <laughs> I didn't have the chat up while we were having our lengthy discussion a moment ago about recruiting and the goods and the bads and what we're waiting on. Uh, <laughs> see now that folks are, are certainly uh, entered into the conversation regarding that. Um, listen. I'm certainly not, uh, you know, hitting the panic button. But I do think it, it warrants keeping an eye on because if you identify, I think if you identify a weakness on the staff, I think one of the places you would go is is maybe recruiting the high school ranks. And, and in particular, certainly prior to, to bringing in Sertan, you would have said the lack of relationships throughout the state you know, at the high school level. So is this all just a function of Florida having a hot run that we're all panicking now? Like, no. What is the no. genesis of? Well, I'm sure that was the impetus for for many comments, yes. But I think people have been waiting to, okay, we cooled off. 
ever yeah. since the yes at tight end. That like was in April. That was, yep. I mean, it's it's yeah. late June. Yeah. You're starting, and you've had a lot of kids in here. So it's not like you haven't had opportunities. Let's let's see this. Let's see this. You know, th- those relationships, those are great. I'm glad they're coming. That these guys are showing up is a is a step forward. It's been acknowledged. Yeah. But it's not enough just to have guys get here. I agree. It's just when you look at the schedule of what they have going on, this has been a loaded month. There's one more big time weekend this weekend, upwards of 15 official visitors. This is on a campus. big weekend. I agree with you. They also have tentatively scheduled a, a, a giant weekend in late July ahead of camp to close out whatever they need to close out. I'm waiting until then, personally, before I ring the bell of panic. Um, I get it that if you look specifically at this past weekend, a whole host of teams, including Florida, got a run of commits. Clemson was there before Florida, so they went on a hot streak. Maybe it's the combination of those two things. You know, we're favorites preseason-wise in the ACC to win the conference. Uh, that A lot of books have Florida State as a slight favorite over Clemson in win totals and odds to win the ACC. Sure. That should parlay into more recruiting momentum, one would think. it. Clemson's gotten hot. Florida's gotten hot. But the summer's a long period of time, and you've got one more giant weekend here and some time in July. If you get to, in short, kick off against LSU and we're still in the mid-teens, I'll, I'll have a problem then. I just have a hard time overreacting on June the 21st before I get to that place. I like seeing Florida not succeed. I like seeing Miami suck in recruiting and all these whispers around what life wallet can or cannot do and Ruiz and how that's going to collapse in on itself. That's all fun. Florida got hot. I don't know that their 12-game resume is going to allow them to keep what they think they have now. We got mad when we had false hope and we lost people in December. Now we're getting mad when we don't have enough yeses in the summer. Let me. I'm going to wait till camp starts before I, I start going two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you, to the coaching staff, because the the kids they are getting on campus are at a completely different level than they were even just a year ago. And I've acknowledged that and pointed to that as evidence that they have taken a huge step forward. I agree with that. It is not all bad. I'm just saying it's also understandable that because there are those amongst us in the fan base that aren't real sure that this group is an elite recruiting group, that the staff is not littered with elite recruiters, that we cast a jaundice eye over there and we're saying, come on, man, let's go. You've now got evidence. You finally have something to point to. And we should get some yeses because of that. I, I wasn't expecting you to be landing the world's greatest class fresh off a of five and seven season. You know, I didn't expect you right away. And they didn't even get the benefit of the new car smell because of COVID. I got all of that. That's fine. But, it, you know, at some point then we need to see this cashed in, the success on the field. And, I, I you know, that they aren't getting as many of those commitments just yet uh, as one would expect with all of the positive momentum that they've received fresh off a 10-3 and season and also the way they've been written about, spoken of, and the prospects of this upcoming year, you'd think it would add up to a little bit more fruit um, in recruiting. It, it might, It may still. It may still. I'm just looking at uh, – I just looked at the industry rankings on three's composite, essentially. It's their version of it. And – if you look at average blue chip rating, star rating, whatever, we're, we're top 10 at present. You know, I know that we're, we're sitting in the industry rankings around 13, give or take. Kid can commit you know, 10 minutes from now, and it changes the way that's organized. 
But teams like LSU and Notre Dame and South Carolina that are in front of us, yeah, they're in front of us, but they've got 16, 17 commits. We've got 11. I get it. We want to be in the upper teens, and we want to have as many good players locked in as possible right here, right now. I get the immediacy of it because momentum is a thing in recruiting. I also believe that to be a fact. But as we get some of the yeses that I believe are coming, you're going to leapfrog two and three teams and still have five, six spaces left to fortify your position. So I think what you're looking at right now is a top 10 class, but we want it to be a top eight class, a top five class. Top five class when you're operating to peak efficiency, and they can get that. It's a fair ask. Go 11-1 and in the regular season, win the ACC. You'll finish, perhaps, with a top five class. I think, Tom, to answer your question directly, People can look on the board and see Georgia or see Ohio State and see Alabama and, to an extent, certainly Southern Cal and even uh, Michigan, who just went to the college football playoff a year ago and has played really well the last couple of years. What they don't like is when they look up and see Florida, who is number two in the on-three rankings, and their average rating is 91, which is higher than that of Florida State. And people say that ought not be, and they are right. That ought not be. That is disturbing. Okay, so the issue is Florida then, specifically. I think that's the issue that leads people to be vocal. Yeah. I think that probably at home somebody might go, well, it's not cool we're behind Oregon. It's not yeah. cool we're behind, you know, Clemson more directly. But people would, you know, they're not going to really say anything about that. They're going to sit back and watch. Where they get vocal is they're like, what's going on in Florida? They got yeah. no momentum, none. Right. Why are they two with an average rank of 91? Yeah, I, okay, so if it's Florida issue specifically, I, I understand that argument. If it's about where you place relative in the top 15 or the top 20. Right, top okay, 10, that's different, yeah. I, I want to see how this plays out a little bit longer. But Ryan, somebody that we know, a friend of the program now, mm-hmm. we would say we met him last year in New Orleans. Yep. And uh, in Tallahassee subsequent, said a Bullgator friend of his believes that the collector's putting in work. That's the only explanation. There is no other explanation than the dead and buried Florida collective that didn't want to spend money Somebody within that community said, the hell with that. We're going to get smoked. This is another five years we're going to be waiting to get it right if we don't start flipping our reputation right now. That's the only way Florida has done what it's done in the last week. And they get credit for it. They should, yeah. Because we obviously give credit to the Battles Inn for all that they've accomplished in a really short period of time. They've made news nationally. That's also a reason for the arms race and to support if you know yeah you, you think, think you're getting smoked yeah, yeah yeah you got to but um you know again I, I think it's one of those things where i'm willing to let this play out with the understanding that florida state will still garner momentum so long as they have the kind of season they need to have and florida will lose the uh the positive groundswell in commitments that they have currently when they go out and play poorly. If they go right off the bat and lose to Utah, we'll, we'll see. Big if. They beat Utah a year ago, despite the fact that Utah outplayed them and should have won the game, somehow threw a pick on the inch line like a bunch of a-holes. Anyhow, uh, with, <laughs> when that played out, you know, you, you kind of like, you, you figured to yourself, well, if they go 6-6, six and six, if they go 7-5, and five, that's not going to light the world on fire. We'll be all right. Some of those commits they got now that have them at number two will certainly look another direction. Hopefully that direction's Florida State in the case of, say, prominent linebackers or defensive ends. But, uh, you know, the other part of it, while acknowledging that, is, you know, there's some guys on the staff that aren't good recruiters, and we know that. And they're going to be solely reliant on the product. So the product has got to have to win the day for them because they're not particularly elite when it comes to persuasion. Yeah, if you want to discuss are we maxed out as a 
on-field staff from a recruiting standpoint? I'd say no. Oh, the answer is no. Yeah, I'd agree with we you. We took there. a step forward with Patrick Sertan. We did. We did. And you could still take some other steps forward, but I think there's more to it now than there's ever been about juggling between portal and development and NIL. Does does NIL's presence make it less imperative that you have a good recruiter? Or can you use some of those resources on development rather than the recruiting abilities of a position coach because you have NIL to act as a buffer? Some areas more than others, that is true. But you always want to be at max efficiency. You would, you'd like, if you think that you can improve your staff in, in both the realm of recruiting but also teaching the game, yeah. if there are guys out there that can do that and they're available to you and you have another guy on your staff that isn't doing those things, then, yeah, it's going to create angst. Sure. If you can find a replacement position coach for any one of these coaches or coordinator that is better across the board and they fit culturally, that's the other part. they got to fit underneath Mike Norvell's philosophy, has to make sense and click, then, hell, yeah. You make the move. I just wonder, it. there's a check and balances to this whole thing now with NIL that's a little bit different. So I think when you make moves, you don't do so out of panic solely because of high school recruiting because winning an NIL can account for maybe a little bit of a gap there in a way that it wasn't allowed to, at least on the up and up before. And the other thing I'd say is I'd recycle an argument we used against ourselves. This is us talking against Florida State a year or two ago, which is you can have an NIL presence, but if somebody somebody's offering about the same kind of money, and they're not good, the kid doesn't have to worry about coming to Florida State and Mike Norvell getting fired, but they would have to worry about that with Billy Napier in Florida because they just went five and seven or six and six again, and their schedule in twenty twenty four is not getting any easier. And you're telling me the offer is roughly the same? Coming to Florida State all day long. That's where the proof of concept season is so critical for Florida this year. It's nice that their collective woke up, but they actually need the wins in order to put themselves in a position because their schedule, again, next year is not easy at all. So where is that on-the-field proof going to come from for them? Yeah, they got to win more games this year than they're projected to do. That's why I hold out hope that the class that they currently have will not stay together. And those are two separate things. Their class won't stay together, but will ours improve? You know, one would like to think the answer is yes to that for the same reasons, the on-the-field product. James B., I'll answer your question. Also say thank you to Marcus. I appreciate you, fellas. Go Knowles, writes Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. James, I'll answer your question on the other side of the break. Uh, I think we have tangible evidence already. First of all, there was a coach that he replaced. So it was addition by subtraction, just getting rid of the guy that has moved it on down the road to Arkansas. Uh, The other part of that is look at the kids that have been visiting. I said I was going to answer after the break. I'm answering now. Look at the caliber of players in the secondary that are coming to Florida State. I mean, you're you're seeing five-star kids. Florida State is resonating with players in the secondary, and I think that is a direct result of Patrick Sertan. And others, and others. I can't give him all the credit, but I think you have a viable recruiter with an elite reputation and certainly was a great player. He's got a lot of tangibles played in the NFL and starred in the NFL, coached in the NFL, coached in high school, in the state, won state titles, is a guy that has relationships in the fertile South Florida area that has the elite recruits we want in the secondary. And they're visiting here, they're coming here, they're registering as, hey, Florida State's on my radar. I think that is, again, because of Patrick Sertan. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 
Hey guys, our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick and easy to remember. So I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this too, it is... um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash JCS. Again, that's go to, uh, all you got to do is go to uh, drinkag1.com slash JCS. That's drinkag1.com slash JCS. Check it out. It's delicious. It's quick. It's easy. It's proven. Vitamins, probiotics. Whole food source nutrients. Start your day with it. You'll feel better. I promise. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3. Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. On a balls McWednesday. Hope you're not getting rained on because I don't know how you're not if you live in Tallahassee. Sweet Jesus, man. Never happens right in the dead of night when I'm going to bed. That's what I wanted to do when I'm going to bed. Not in the middle of the afternoon when we could be golfing. And the mornings of late, too. Every morning. Three, four times in the last week. Five in the morning when it's raining. Love it. Love it. Nothing like pouring coffee to the sounds of rain as you sit down to begin your readings for the day. Hey, got the news over here. Got the sports over here. I'm going to read a little bit about this and a little bit about that. Maybe five pages, ten pages from the book I'm currently reading. As it pours down rain and my family sleeps and the dog is at my feet, this is a good day. I feel like smoking a pipe. But then, but then, you know, the day's got to get going. Getting screwed over. I'd say 80% of the meetings we've had in the last week, or live shows, anything that requires a Zoom function or an in-person meeting, we've had concerns about the power going out. Yeah. That's what it's been like here. Had a hell of a run. (laughs) I mentioned this last week, and somebody emailed me, and then I had a second follow-up on Twitter, so I'm going to answer the question, why do I hate Rob Manfred? He's an idiot. The commissioner of baseball should not routinely make a fool of himself. Every time he addresses a subject within the game publicly. He has many times in recent memory referenced statistics incorrectly, almost like he's winging it. Sort of a a politician lying to the assembled press and then is aghast when somebody has the temerity to point out the falsehoods in their statement. Last Thursday, it was no surprise. uh, I think it was Thursday. It might have been Friday that he botched a layup. And I love these things because Tom and I talk about PR firm, Jeff Cameron show PR firm. These are easy. These are, I love, I love watching to see how those that are adept at this sort of thing handle it or don't or throw up all over themselves. It's uh, it's, you know, the ones that are ultra smooth. And then there is, you know, the Mito Pereira's of the PR world. Standing on 18th tee. Look at this guy. So he was asked about the A's reverse boycott. You, I don't know if you guys saw this. It's sad what's going on in Oakland. It's clear Major League Baseball wants a team in Las Vegas. It's funny how times have changed. Now everybody, every sports league wants a team in Las Vegas. You got the NFL in Vegas. You got the NHL in Vegas. Major League Baseball is sacrificing Oakland to get to Vegas. And for years, we were told about the evils of gambling and how it could have a 
horrific influence on the integrity of the game, and now people can't wait to get a piece of that pie. This is where, if the PGA-PIF merger is going to happen, let's see, it gets past the Department of Justice. Which that, I'm don't, not thinking it's going it, to. It's a political hurdle, but they've got enough money and they've got enough lobbyists coming from different places it might get pushed through. Maybe. At any rate, if it did, all of the other sports leagues now are going to say, oh, it's okay to take their money now? Okay. I see you working. Well, I think I think your concerns and the Department of Justice concerns, like we would have a much larger conversation here. Do we want all of our sports to be owned by the Saudis? I right. Don't think so. Right. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, they've already got a seat at the table. Not a good idea. It's a larger discussion. We're not going to have it right now. <laughs> so back to this. 30,000 A's fans in the reverse strike, if you will, right, protest showed up to that dump of a stadium in Oakland, and it is. And they wanted to make a statement about how much they love baseball and how badly it is they'd like to keep the A's. So Rob Manfred gets asked about this. And what are his thoughts on the reverse boycott? And this is his answer. He couldn't help himself. I'm reading directly. This is a quote. It was great. It's great to see what is this year. Almost an average major league crowd in the facility for one night. What a great thing. All right. So you are instantly going to mock a fan base. You're going to mock a fan base, by the way, who are begging to keep their team that's been there for 60 years. All right. Proud traditions in Oakland. And you're going to do it all the while knowing that you have a filthy, rich owner who is the son of the Gap founders. Okay, so this guy's never had to work a day in his life, billionaire, and hasn't invested a penny into that decrepit stadium, that antiquated stadium, has done nothing to elevate the experience in Oakland, and then turned around as the stadium withered away and the amenities were nowhere to be found and blamed the fans for not coming. And you know that's what he's done, but because you want a team in Vegas, you would rather pee in their faces and tell them they're the problem than to address this issue seriously. Do you know what a layup it is when somebody says to you, what do you think about the 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 fans that showed up to this ballpark trying to show you how much they care about a franchise that doesn't care about them, an ownership that doesn't show that they care about them? You know how easy it is to say, you got to love the great game of baseball, and so many of those great fans in Oakland do. Unfortunately, the economics of this situation are such that it doesn't seem like it's going to work. We've, we've gone through this for five years. We've been waiting on a new proposal from the city. We're trying to find a way to make it work in Oakland. It just hasn't come to be, and right now it doesn't look viable in Oakland, and I hate to see it for those fans because they have been great. It's tragic, but this is the business we're in, and there's opportunities in Las Vegas. However you want to say it, you could make you could meander any direction you want once you acknowledge that those fans are great fans. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. And he couldn't do that. He had to mock them. He had to laugh at them, spit on them. He's an incompetent commissioner, and he got bailed out by people underneath him who told him, you know, something that might help baseball? Let's speed it up. Let's speed it up a little bit. Let's see if we can get some more folks. <laughs> who is that, Larry David? That's what it sounds like. Hey. <laughs> Hey, Rob, here's an idea for you. Let's speed it up, pal. Speed it up. Move it a little faster. Well, I mean, 
it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, the 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 average game time this year in Major League Baseball is two hours and forty minutes. We're now well into the experiment, Tom. I think we now know that it's uh, it's a winner. It has worked, and some of the rules changes have led to you know higher batting average, all that other stuff. Like things have worked. Average attendance this year is up for the first time in, and I just pulled it up to be sure, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. First time in seven years, they had a blip on the radar where it was barely up in 2015. Prior to that, prior to this year, it was down, 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 up, down, 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 down. Sounds like a contra code before you start the game. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, yeah. right, left, right. So Ira knows this from me. He's down in uh, the Trop right now mm-hmm. watching the Orioles play the Rays. Next week, next Friday night, I'll be at City Field watching the Giants take on the Mets. And usually around the July 4th holiday, my wife and I will go to one game. And we have to make a – we want to do dinner late in the city after. We want to go to the game, have a snack at the concession stands. You don't want to eat a giant meal, ballpark food. No, thanks. So we would used to have to make a decision around the 6th or 7th inning, which is do we cancel the 10 o'clock dinner reservation or do we get on the subway and go to go eat? Now you could schedule something for 9.45 or 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And you could feel pretty good about that choice, especially if you get the express train. But it's just amazing. You have a whole new half an hour to 45 minutes to play with, and that's just a one-off situation. But I can tell why attendance is up because parents could take their kids and know and that not they're not going to be midnight. there until yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. midnight. Well, I, I think you have a couple things here. You have that. And the other thing about the game, which we we were interested to see if it would happen, more balls put into play. It's a slight jump right now, not not as up as, as you'd like to think. And that's because the dominance of arms these days, is it just continues to swell. You have more and more guys that can throw 101, 102 miles per hour. It's amazing. But you know what else has changed slightly? And that is the uh, exit velocity uh, of balls put in play. Uh, guys have figured out uh, the right way to train train year round, uh, and and they are crushing baseballs when they put them in play. Doubles are way up, home runs are up. More doubles, more home runs, more balls put in play, higher batting average, shorter period of time frame. Hey, attendance is up. Imagine that. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with.